Hello, and welcome to the Government Technology Insider Podcast. I'm Chelsea Baroni, a Government Technology Insider Editor and your host for today. As federal agencies continue to lean more on the cloud for everyday operations, the ability to seamlessly monitor and manage assets in a hybrid cloud setting is imperative. The last year and a half has taught us not only that cloud management can be done at the federal level, but that it is now crucial to delivering on an agency's respective mission. To learn more about the infrastructure needed to make those efforts possible, I'm joined today by a few members from the MCP team. Uh, we have Mike Buchko, VP of Sales and Marketing, Sharon Kinnikin, Contract Manager and HR Manager, and JD Reddy, Senior Sales Engineer. They're all able to offer a unique perspective on this specific challenge in the federal space and the various best practices that should be adopted to help a federal agency be successful in their cloud asset management. Thank you all for joining me today. Hey, thanks, Chelsea. Really appreciate the time. Hi, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. And uh, and really re- appreciate you inviting us to talk here. Uh, MCP is a federal reseller, and uh, we've learned a lot the last mm-hmm. few years and are really anxious to, to share some of our experiences and best practices. Okay, so let's jump in and start with an overview and, you know, lay out the challenges that come with moving to a hybrid cloud environment for federal agencies, especially ones that are trying to tackle it at such a large scale. Yeah, it's funny, Chelsea, you, you mentioned that, but it's the biggest challenge overall is uh, is defining what the problem is. Some of the words just don't mean anything anymore. Um, hybrid cloud, cloud, these are things that people think that they may be moving toward. From a definition standpoint, what we're talking about here is already happened. Um, we are in hybrid cloud. It's not a state of what we're going to. It's something that happened. And what we're doing right now is developing or or uh, implementing tools to help us work in this environment and work more effectively. And, and the other piece that I, I do want to define is um, <clears throat> sometimes we... People talk cloud and they think, oh, there's some server somewhere or some bit of network here. Well, cloud is significantly more than that. Cloud is a mechanism. It's like uh, the plug in your wall. It's electricity that's everywhere. Um, So hybrid cloud as part of business is different than it was even two years ago. Two years ago, that definition was uh, business could, their cloud, their IT infrastructure, if you will, was all contained within that building of the company or maybe a campus of buildings, or perhaps across the U.S., but connected by a single long line between those campuses. That doesn't exist anymore. The the underlying infrastructure changed to the cloud, and hence the word hybrid. Um, We're in a state of a new way of delivering IT assets, and those are also not just networking gear or servers. They're PCs, they're the consumer devices that are our window into us connecting to an enterprise asset. And, and JD, you know, this really changes kind of how the world works. It introduces a whole set of new challenges, too. Uh, JD, one of our tech engineers, and has worked with a lot of customers uh, in the federal space. What's your, what do you think are some of the biggest challenges that our customers face? How would you define those? Yes, there's definitely challenges in the cloud space. But again, just to re- reiterate, right, I, I definitely want to set context about what cloud is. I know you mentioned uh, a little bit about that, Mike, but but people get confused all the time. Uh, cloud is not really a what, but it is a how. It is an operating model. And you're absolutely right. 
it's it's all around us. We're using it. It's not a destination. We're not somewhere in the middle. Every customer is in that hybrid cloud environment, whether they are they are aware of it or not. So it's important to understand, you know, what it is and and you know how it's relevant and what the purpose of it is. And ultimately, it's really all about software and applications, right? I mean, you see, you know, over the last few years, um, all of the corporations and all the agencies and, and uh, customers are turning into software companies, right? Software is how businesses achieve their business goals, right? And where are the software, where is it written? It's written still on applications. It, it's written as VM constructs and, and containers, right? And when you develop applications, when you're running software in different environments, you run into various challenges. And this is where, you know, Mike, the list of challenges come in. We run into so many different issues. We run into issues of data leakage, right? Whether your applications or software or your data is in the private cloud or the public cloud or anywhere in between, there is some sort of data leakage, man-in-the-middle attacks, compromised endpoints, all sorts of things. There are compliance risks that customers um, have to go through. There's gaps in, in security. There's, um, there's SLAs that somehow get misaligned. There's uh, maybe encryption issues, right? Sometimes these applications don't have any sort of encryption or your, your data centers don't have encryptions. There could be connectivity issues, credential management, just, just to name a few, Mike. So, J.D., what, what we're talking about here, I think, is, is a series of, of messy things. You've got a series of old applications and, and old things all designed to run in different places. You've got some new technologies that are being implemented in inside containers and, and for more modern stuff. And we'll talk about that a little more. We have a new method of deploying all of this stuff through this mechanism of the Internet and how all this is. It's, it's very much like um, a, an orchestra that we need to create and organize using that orchestra metaphor. So what I mean by this is, so in from a from a straight standpoint of new development, you talked about uh, developing using containers and and some modern technologies. Those are really nice woodwind sections or nice brass sections of the orchestra because they play well in this new internet space. They're designed to work in this environment. But the things that don't work in this environment, I kind of liken them to the percussion section of the orchestra, where you might have a tambourine and a triangle and a drum, a uh, kettle drum and a, uh, you know, any other percussive kind of stuff. Each of those is so different. And yet a conductor first can harmoniously get the percussion together and then map it to the other parts of the orchestra. Uh, in many ways, the old applications are those percussion instruments. The woodwind, the the uh, the tambourine is the tambourine. It's designed to run in a tambourine way, and a triangle is a triangle, and it needs a triangle. Apps are designed to run in those specific environments. So the goal of this is to create this kind of uh, conductor uh, for the orchestra that pulls all of this together in this environment, and really that's the the lattice work that is the layer of products that we're talking about here, right? Is this uh, tapestry or this uh, orchestra of products that allow us to pull together what would be a concophonous sound and turn it into something very musical and, and um, actually produces mission results. Uh, and with this environment, you talked about security. 
but there's no such thing as secure. What, what we're really looking at here are levels of risk, right? And, and measuring how close to risk we are. Absolutely. There can be nothing that's 100% secure. There's various levels of security uh, you can put in place to ensure that your data isn't compromised. But that is such an apt uh, analogy, Mike. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, what we're trying to do with, with the, or the purpose of cloud is to der derive some sort of you know, services. It's a way of getting to resources and, and abilities, whether it's to your internal teams or external customers. How do they consume these, right? And it's, it's, it's some sort of way to, to operate these, right? Day two operations also is really critical in having a successful cloud environment and a cloud strategy. Uh, but absolutely, there's nothing that can be 100% secure, but we can implement various ways and use different technologies in order to achieve some sort of um, you know, secure, uh, secure uh, cloud infrastructure. Okay, well, continuing with that, that orchestra analogy there, instruments can be expensive. Isn't this you know, multi-layered, multi-application approach, couldn't that be costly? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, before when you added a server, you added server people to run the server. When you added clients, you added client people to run the clients and apps. So um, that, that appears from a normal perspective that um, we're going to increase costs. And that's the evolution that's taking place here. So when, when MCP is talking about hybrid cloud, what we're talking about is automation tools that reduce costs. And I'm not talking about reduce costs a little bit or slightly better or slightly cheaper. We're talking about significant reductions in costs, taking what potentially was before uh, 10 people per server or uh, two people per client to deploy an asset to zero. Having automation that creates uh, a stable environment and that is able to reproduce it in a regular way that is far more secure and also reducing the touch points, the human touch points. We were talking about security before and risk management. And if you ask any security officer in the federal government or anywhere, single biggest risk is people, is the people running the application, are the people that have access to the credentials. If people don't need the access and the automation is doing it for them, that's where the savings come. And, and as I say, both um, uh, savings from a, a straight cost standpoint, but I think also from a uh, the uh, success of making it uh, deployable and implementable in, in an environment. So, JD, the challenges like in a, in a data center and things like that for deploying automation, that's really where significant savings come, right? Absolutely. Automation is really key, right? And it's important to understand that there, there's really three major components in any hybrid cloud setup or, or infrastructure, right? Uh, the first is cloud infrastructure, the actual physical hardware, whether it's in the private cloud or the public cloud or anywhere in between, you need some sort of physical infrastructure, the cloud services and the cloud operations, right? And, and to provide these cloud capabilities, you need to define the cloud infrastructure by software. To provide any level of automation, you need to first define this infrastructure by software. You need the ability to dynamically provision and control um, and, and automate the software lifecycle management of uh, this entire component tree. 
Um, that's where technologies like ESXi by VMware comes into play, right? Uh, vSAN, which is virtualized storage, comes into play. NSX, which is software-defined networking, uh, is, is a key component of automating your, your networking aspect. So these are really foundational components of the software that, that help you define the cloud infrastructure. And then from an operations perspective, there are tools like vRealize that help with the automation and orchestration. And that's a standardized tool that a lot of customers uh, are using uh, in the cloud infrastructure space for a very long time. It's uh, probably the most you know, mature and robust tool out there in the industry, right? So, and, and that's where a lot of companies are moving towards, Mike. Okay, so we talk a lot about you know, utilizing this, these different automation tools um, and, and the various successes that can come with that. How do you measure that success? Metrics are key. Um, having measurable uh, goals that we are moving toward is absolutely part of the model and strategy that we're articulating here. Um, JD, from, from the metric standpoint here, this whole environment lends itself for this uh, movement and, and metrics around this, right? Absolutely. And there are so many different tools uh, you know, within this cloud infrastructure where you can, you can monitor and, and manage your cloud infrastructure and, and look after the operations. And that's where you, you, you take a look at all the metrics uh, to see where you are and the overall health. Um, uh, there's tools like Wavefront that help you in monitoring and, and, and you know, measuring as far as how successful and how healthy the entire infrastructure is. And it's that feedback from that loop that really gives us some of the value as well. Uh, for some of the projects we do um, in these automation type tools and, and utilizing this uh, traffic, internet traffic and other kinds of things all become measurable uh, things that interfere. You know, if, uh, just like traffic in the evening um, or too much music or too loud music. So uh, you have to adjust those kind of parameters based on the workload and the kinds of automations. And again, those are very key areas to look at. Okay, gotcha. So, I mean, that's a really large set of challenges to uh, to consider, and I could definitely see how it could feel overwhelming to someone who might just be embarking on this journey. Uh, so, so what do teams need to take into account here with regards to planning and procurement and just moving forward in general? Sharon, as the contract manager, uh, what's your take on that? Well, you know, it's funny because we talk a lot about like having to be in the cloud and accessing that cloud infrastructure. What do we use to do that? What tool do we use to do that? So the people, so to speak, they've got to be accessing that cloud infrastructure via desktop, via laptop, via tablet. So that's the tool that they initially use to be able to access the tools in the form of software, right? So they have to have something to connect to that environment. So that's where the first part starts is what are they using to connect to that environment and how do they get those items in place to then secure them? So that's where a BPA can come in place. We have we happen to have a BPA which sells laptops, desktops, and tablets, and we're helping a procurement officer or contractor get that more efficiently by eliminating the need to have to go and get multiple bids. And so, Sharon, that's that's not just the, you talked about the hardware and those components and the speed and, and those, but it's not even just that hardware, right? Because you don't just pop a unit on a desk and plug it in and it works. 
So there's a number of services that are available on the BPA to help uh, customers do this, right? Right. The most interesting part about the B this BPA is that we can lump together services like imaging and bio settings, you know, and things like that, that we're able to make it specific for that agency. And the other key elements to the BPA that I want to mention that I think are absolutely great, I had already mentioned that it's pre-competed. There's also no maximum dollar limit. So these projects that have bigger budgets where they're really getting stuck on how to procure, there's no maximum dollar limit. So that helps it as well. A lot of the units that we sell are pre-configured, but we're all, we can also customize them to the customer needs. You know, and another important thing is most of our BPA items are all Dell product and you don't need a brand name justification to get that. And you can get all the accessories as well. Like they've got to have a monitor look at. Sometimes they need headsets to talk. You know, the keyboards and things like that. We're able to bundle that in with the system to get that to you. So it's a really good starting point for a plan to get to the end game, which is securing all that information up in the cloud. Well, and, and this past year too, that's been really instrumental because the um, the need to have the asset not in the same building as the agency or organization during the past year has been critical. These people have been working from home, right? And so you were able to develop and, and send a lot of this infrastructure components directly to people's homes. Uh, and yet they were physically part of the offices, right? Yes, yes. They connected seamlessly, which was the nice part. No one would ever be able to tell that all these people were working from the homes because they were. it was all put together really nicely. And, and adaptive. So in, in this particular environment, um, you know, the home might not have had monitors where the work did, or they moved from uh, desktops, which they would have had in an office environment, to a laptop to allow them more portability. But it allowed that that uh dynamicness that we sort of expect out of the internet today and and you know in all of this it's all about the strategy um it's kind of how we pull together those organizational needs so all of these components that we've been talking about these are all hugely powerful components or they can be very dusty and sit on a shelf we choose to use them to look at a customer develop a plan a strategy understand how the components that we have available or the do exist, how they could help benefit this customer. Excellent. So, I mean, I know it's sort of an easy assumption to make that a lot of these organizations are probably operating against the same or similar IT goals. Wow, that's a great question. And you'd think that was true, but in reality, it's not. You know, when you first look at it, you go, oh, it's COVID, everybody's working from home. Well, yes, but um, how the home is connected to the enterprise is where the differences separate. Many enterprises weren't set up at all to be able to handle that kind of inbound connectivity. Other organizations were designed to handle maybe more limited forms of it or limited volumes of it. And then again, um, as JD talked about earlier, some of the security issues around connectivity presented themselves as well. So all of these played together to show that one, just that aspect was very different from one organization to the other, even though they might have even been within the same same cabinet agency of the federal government. Um, so there's there's a large number of differences that exist there. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So 
All right, let's talk about the actual technology then being applied here in these strategies for agencies. And, you know, let's dig into some concepts like containerization and Kubernetes and anything else in that ballpark. Well, Kubernetes, I just like saying the word. But what to <laughs> me, to me, it's a, it's a fun word because uh, it, it's the, in my mind, one of the final steps that need to occur to move all of that old environment, the old IT infrastructure, to this new world that we've inherited with instant on applications that deliver real information. Um, and, and so Kubernetes to me is that point of inflection, the, the change to this new stuff. But JD, maybe Kubernetes is more the generic uh, discussion of what this is. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how this actually works in an environment or what, what these containers do. Yes, definitely. Um, and I know Kubernetes is a big buzzword in, in, the, uh, in the IT realm uh, right now, but it's important to set some context here. It's really important to understand what containers are and how are they relevant, right? And I've touched on this fact that, um, you know, the core of the IT uh, ecosystem is the application or software. That is really core. That is what makes the business money. And how is software written? They're written by application developers. Applications are written by, by application developers. And when developers are writing code, they're working on their own, you know, local environments, right? But when they're ready to move that code to production, that's where a lot of problems arise because they have maybe the code work perfectly in their own local environment, but uh, the production environment had a different operating system, a different set of dependencies, different libraries, and they, they run into issues there. And that's why when they're using traditional methodologies like VMs, right? When they're writing cloud native applications on VMs, that's where you have problems. That is, these are the problems that containers solve, right? And we have a lot of open source um, technologies like Docker, which is very popular. That is a popular container uh, containerization platform. And Kubernetes, what really does is it answers some, some of the questions that containers poses, right? Like how would all of the containers that you design, how, how are they gonna be coordinated and scheduled? How are you gonna seamlessly upgrade an application without any sort of interruption or any sort of disruption in service? How do you monitor the health of, of these you know, software applications and know that something is wrong or how would you seamlessly restart these applications? That is where Kubernetes comes in. Comes in. It is just a container orchestration system, right? There are other um, tools out there. There's, there's Docker's own native clustering solution like Docker Swarm. There's Mesos, but uh, Kubernetes is the most popular of um, of these technologies because a it can it's it can be run on private cloud or it can be run on prem or or uh, a public uh, or public cloud. It's very modular. It's open source, and the community is pretty active and vibrant. So a lot of companies are investing and have some sort of Kubernetes presence in their own environment. And so from from that environment, um, it sounds like it's a great environment to do development work in. If I were working on any applications that I'm doing now, I would definitely want to build them in a container, right? I mean, there's, that's not even really a question. That's the, the world is moving there. It's a bit like saying, well, I might use something other than the internet to connect to everyone else on the planet. <laughs> okay, good luck. Um, so, so, but there's a lot of older applications now too. And that's really where something like Docker or solutions like that fit in, right? They bring those older applications and they containerize them and then orchestrate and help with the orchestration. Is that? Absolutely. See, IT is, is always evolving. 
you know, you, you've, you've been in the industry for a while, uh, Mike, so you know how different technologies have come and disrupted uh, a traditional way of doing things. That's exactly what Kubernetes and containerization has done, right? VMware, when it came about, virtualization was a hugely disruptive process, right? And container containerization is a step, you know, above uh, virtualization, right? You know, you just raised a really interesting point that we hadn't even talked about before, but you, you talked about virtualization, containerization. So what's really happening there, if you read between those words, is no vendor lock-in. Yep. What you're getting is the ability to buy from anybody who makes it without regard to the hardware. So it improves you as the consumer's ability to negotiate the price of all your IT hardware. So not only have you significantly saved by going into the automation space, I mean like significantly saved there, you now can apply pressure on manufacturers to push down the price because you've, you've removed them as the uniqueness that it has to run on their device. And, and so from that, JD, you know, we, we are evolving. You talked about evolution. One of the big evolutions that we have is moving from, say, some of the technologies that Sharon was talking about, imaging and some of the more static versions of pushing technology onto an asset before it gets to a user. And, and uh, IT organizations and government have developed huge infrastructures to develop and, and facilitate pushing this kind of older technology on, all can be replaced now in a in a in a hand movement almost with a lot of the automation that we're talking about here. Um, so, but it has to scale. Okay, for this to work in this environment, it's really got to to move into the scale side of things. So, what is the ecosystem here for scaling these kind of uh, these kind of technologies? Yes, you know, it's important to understand that we're right now, customers are living in a multi-cloud landscape or, or environment, right? And how does that look like? I know we touched upon, you know, this concept called hybrid cloud. What it really means is that you have obviously your own private cloud. What that really means is nothing but your on-prem infrastructure, your, your data center, data center components, your servers, compute, uh, any sort of hardware infrastructure that you have on-prem but you also have a lot of public cloud providers out there, right? And they're very, very popular. A lot of customers are using, you know, public cloud providers like Amazon Web Services, AWS for short, right? To run applications at different locations besides your own, you know, uh, private cloud. But AWS, for example, comes with a specific set of capabilities that are very different from the things that you traditionally do uh, within your private cloud. They do very well, for example, with applications that scale more horizontally than, than vertically, or they need you know, less infrastructure resiliency. Um, but again, there are a lot of reasons why businesses want to run applications on a public cloud. And there are other tools out there, other uh, public uh, uh, cloud providers out there, like AWS. There's Azure. Microsoft is growing, and their um, uh, Azure uh, public cloud service is, is very, very competitive and competing against AWS. Google's cloud infrastructure is growing as well. So there's plenty of other service providers out there, and the job of the customer becomes not that much harder, and they have to be very diligent in identifying which applications need to live where. What are some of the things that their applications or software need? Is it a high performance applications? Is it in the memory database applications that requires 
you know, infrastructure resiliency, or maybe infrastructure resiliency is not that important, and you can really scale horizontally in a public cloud environment, right? So that is important for customers to recognize, identify, and prioritize which applications need to live where. Critical, absolutely critical. And, and that <clears throat> is that level of planning that I think makes all the difference for making these components kind of fit together in, a, in an environment, how to best provision all the units and get some of the benefits of moving from months to get a deployment to days or weeks. Okay, so a lot to take in here. I'll, you know, we've learned a lot about what tools are at our disposal. Um, what are the next steps for agencies? How do they actually get in there and start taking some action? Right. So understanding the issue, listening to this podcast is a is a great way to start. Uh, understanding that I don't need to scrap everything or maybe even anything that I currently purchased. I just need to stop spending on things that I don't need to spend on anymore um, and get the benefits of using my resources more effectively. So what that means is um, you have to have uh, a prioritization of what are the important objectives, and that involves first a planning discussion, a workshop. Uh, these are very simple discussions that we can help organize to get the rough concepts in place and help a government agency do their own plan. So it's not the kind of thing where we're just going to come in and do it. It's not. Uh, uh, it's a discussion that gets you in the framework of understanding what the components are. Um, some of those components might be how they're currently doing images, um, how uh, assets are currently being deployed and connecting and getting corporate resources. So from that perspective, from that call, that's where we would develop kind of our best practices for developing some organizational components here that give you a realistic way to one, look at, this new ecosystem of hybrid cloud and deploying assets in it and taking advantage of that and reducing cost considerably. Um, and then JD, from a best practices standpoint, what's the you know kind of one, two, three, four that we we talk through with the customer? What do you how would you uh, kind of organize that? Yes, and you can certainly do it yourself yourself as a customer, right? Uh, but you have to follow some best practices. You have to clearly have a delineated strategy, uh, a long-term vision, a roadmap, uh, you know, in order to, to, to follow a step-by-step -step process. You have to have to use proven technologies. Do not experiment uh, in using something that's state-of-the-art but not, not really proven. Uh, it's not an industry standard. A lot of customers out there aren't using it because it's important to have a community that you can rely on, right, um, if, you, if you do fall into uh, some troubles or issues. It's very important, Mike, that you mention prioritization because that is really key. Uh, you can't really transform the way you do IT in one day. It is a journey. It's not a destination. It is a journey. So you have to be able to prioritize which are the applications that require immediate attention, immediate change, uh, and which uh, are things that you want to put in your long-term roadmap, right? And, and ultimately, treat everything as a system, right? Uh, IT is an ever-evolving ecosystem. It's not something that is static, so it's important to not create uh, targets that are static, right? It's important to be dynamic and, and evolve as technologies come into change, come into place. You want to be able to evolve accordingly. And, you know, when, when they're all saying this, 
and, and I hear it all. I know that some people are probably sitting out there and being very overwhelmed by like, I don't know how to do that. I think the easiest thing is like when Mike said, just start a discussion. You know, I mean, have a discussion and we'll kind of guide you on a roadmap on how to get there. Because some of it can be like, well, prioritize. I don't know what to prioritize or strategy. I don't know what my strategy would be. That's what we're here to do is help you identify those needs. So don't be afraid of starting that discussion for lack of knowledge, because we'll along the way, we're going to also educate you. So you gain that knowledge to know and be able to recognize what those priorities should look like. Excellent. So any final remarks from the team before we wrap up here? No, and thanks, Chelsea, for uh, one, hosting us and also giving us an opportunity to talk to the federal customers that are listening to us now. Um, I, I would say this, there, the what we've talked about today, deploying assets in a hybrid cloud, uh, is about portability, easy to deploy applications. Think of that orchestra. We're talking about getting that tambourine to hit at the right moment the kettle drum to hit at the right moments so that all of the other music that's playing might be, and again, this is part of the plan, might be as simple as a couple or three notes because all you're doing is making your IT symphony in a government organization um, one or two applications that were old and deployed. Maybe Kubernetes is just beginning. So there, there's ways to do songs, to do any of these technologies on a very limited scale and grow them up. That is the best way, crawl, walk, run. Um, it's that portability, significantly less cost, and getting IT consumers, the government consumers that are banging on the government CIO's door for these IT resources. It's those consumers of them that we're looking at trying to improve the responsiveness of government IT too. And all of these things together, they're the, the high-level vision. They're the kind of big picture, cost less, deploy better, uh, good management. But ultimately, where the rubber meets the road, we save money. And, uh, and we give agencies a way to actually save significant money that's measurable and, and comes together with the organizational mission to achieve their objectives. So if you want to reach us, the easiest way to do that would be one, to email us. So you can do that very simply at info at mcpgov.com, or you can call us. Our 800 number is 800-255-8607, or you can also follow us on LinkedIn and reach us that way as well. So there's multiple ways that you can get in contact with us. And please do. We're happy to talk. Excellent. Well, this has been an, a really informative and educational uh, conversation in cloud management at the federal level. Thank you all for your time today. And thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you next time.